Hello everyone and welcome to the very first episode of the Cancer Stories podcast with the Northern Trust, local stories from local people. My name's Amy Wilson, I'm the Macmillan Information and Support Manager here in the Northern Trust and I'm delighted to introduce our first guest, Robert Davidson, who's going to share his cancer journey with lymphoma. Hey Robert, thank you so much for being here today and really Robert, uh, it's over to you. Good morning, Amy. Uh, thank you very much for um, having me on this morning. Uh, firstly, I would just like to take this opportunity to thank yourself and Macmillan for giving me this chance to tell my story. Uh, so good morning, everyone. My name is Robert Davidson. I am 49 years of age. I live in Ballyclare. I'm happily married with two beautiful daughters and a beautiful wife. So my journey basically began in 2015 when a large lump appeared on my neck. Didn't really know what it was. Uh, Over a period of probably two, three weeks, the lump got slightly larger. So my wife pointed out and said, look, what's that on your neck, Robert? So decided to go to my own GP. He uh, referred me right away to Antomeria Hospital. Uh, I remember going up. This is a journey that <laughs> that I'll never forget. A consultant brought me in, had, had t- taken bloods, etc., and brought me in, sat me down, uh, said, look, Robert, basically, the lump on my neck was lymphoma. So, uh, quite uh, surprising to myself, I did not know what lymphoma was. I had to ask the question, uh, what is lymphoma? So, um, do you remember the consultant standing up putting his hand on my shoulder and saying, Robert, it's actually a cancer of your lymph glands. Well, I would not tell anybody any lies. Uh, tears ran down my face. I wasn't really expecting that answer. He started to explain to me what lymphoma was, uh, basically um, your lymph glands, what they were doing, what they were supposed to do, and that this was going to probably have to be investigated far deeper just to find out exactly what it was. Part of the story which I always tell people, I do remember that consultant consoling me and saying, Robert, if it's any any help to you, if you were going into a supermarket to buy cancer, this would be the one you would want. Now, I remember thinking in my head and looking at myself to say, oh, geez, there's something wrong with your head. You're standing there telling me that's the one you'd want to buy. But I'll be honest, I do agree with what he said now because... Lymphoma is probably one of the most treatable cancers there is out there. Basically, they give me a choice to be signed into the hospital there and then, or I had the choice of going home, talking over with my family, and then on the Monday morning, speaking to my own GP, uh, which would then still speed the process up. It would be red flagged, as they called it. So I decided that might be the better idea. So... I'm not a great Texan person, so I hadn't really kept in touch too much with my wife. I had so I rang her on the way at the hospital, and she asked me what the um what they had said. So I, I told her what it was. I said, "Well, look, they've told me she's lymphoma." Uh, oh, oh, she says, and I, I remember that tone in her voice. So I went home, sat basically just sat in tears for couple of hours, didn't know what to think, didn't know what to do. Um, we talked about it. Um, the Monday came, I basically went to my own GP, said, right, well, look, we'll have to get you referred. So 
quite quickly, within probably two weeks, I was um, referred firstly to ENT. So ENT then, they looked at me, looked at the lump, said they would have to try and get a biopsy. So they um, basically tried to take a biopsy with a syringe from the the lump. Uh, now, it wasn't a nice experience. So they sent it off and basically it uh, came back inclusive so that they couldn't, couldn't get anything from it. So I had to go for a second biopsy about two weeks later. So the time went on, um, that would have been uh, around October, I think, 2015. Um, so we were in the sort of end of November and I hadn't heard. So I, I tried to contact Aunt Maria Hospital and uh, so I got the hold of the secretary and she said she would get the consultants to uh, give me a wee contact. So that was all right. Um, the next thing he actually did come in. And he rang, he rang me and he said, yes, oh, good news, Robert. He says, your biopsy has come back. He says, it's benign. He says, it's, it's oh, I says, oh, brilliant. I says, so does that mean um, it's not? Can't he says, well, it's looking like it. He says, you know, we'll have to do a few more wee things. He says, but that's, I says, I'm sure that's good news. Oh, I says, oh, that's outstanding. So I completely uh, just was so happy with what I'd been told and everything was good. Uh, so... That was okay. Um, we ran through sort of um, into December. I think it was the second week in December. And I still hadn't heard it. And so I contacted them again just to ask what was happening. Um, the uh, secretary said that he wasn't there. But she would try and speak to somebody just to see what was happening and would come back to me. So within several minutes, I, my phone rang with their number. thought, oh, better answer just in case. So... It was um, the secretary. She says, oh, look, um, could you possibly come up in the morning? So I went up to ENT and went in and basically sat down. Uh, next thing, this guy came out. Uh, could you come in, please? Um, and his first words to both me and my wife was, I can only apologise. He says, there's been a, a mistake made here. He says, um, I don't know what's happened, he says, but we're going to have to act quickly here. And I was flabbergasted. I just looked at him and went, well, I don't understand, what do you mean? He says, well, you do have lymphoma. We're going to have to act quickly. So he, he then started examining, looking under my throat. So my left tonsil had became very inflamed uh, and red. So he informed me that he was scared that the cancer had started to move into my throat. So they wanted to get me in to get my left tonsil removed to try and get a biopsy taken to see w what was actually going on. Now, I didn't have any... Uh, side effects of, um, you know, my throat being sore. So Monday morning, first thing, they brought me in um, and they removed my left tonsil. So uh, basically, it was watch and wait, as they call it, um, which will be maybe told to people or has been told to people that have been diagnosed with cancer. So they basically want, they, they have to see where uh, the cancer is progressing to whether it is uh, Hodgkin's or non-Hodgkin's lymphoma or uh, depending what, what it is. It was quite uh, a hard Christmas for us because, I, as I say, the, the journey for me had just been gone. I didn't know whether I had cancer in any other part of my body. I had 
sore places in my body where I was telling myself, oh, this is here, this is there, this is whatever. And uh, I'm not a person for Googling things, so I stayed away from that. I was referred then to Laurel House in uh, January of 2016 uh, under Dr. McCluskey, actually. Very, very uh, outstanding uh, consultant, I must say. I was very pleased. But young, young guy and... Basically brought me in and explained what had happened about the misdiagnosis straight away. I started my um, chemotherapy on, I think it was the 14th of January. I really did think that it was going to be uh, a very, very sick ill time for me because the stories have been told about the, the process. First chemo uh, wasn't wasn't I thought too bad uh, you went in basically in the morning uh, they make your chemo up for you they have their own pharmacy in Laurel House and they every person is completely different it was such a such an outstanding place the uh, the nurses the consultants in it uh, were just so different they're just so understanding they're so helpful um, and then you have the Macmillan team there uh, and they're shopping to you and they're dealing with that day in day out uh, and they can advise you on any you know things that you're needing to talk about and, and like, people's journeys are all different you know people some people financially are well off um, they don't have any problems with money they don't you know they have a good family circle around them um, you know they have a car they can travel back and forth there's no problem but on the other side of it, there's people there who don't have a car, who have to get taxis to go and get their treatment, they have very little money. There's even people then getting treatment, you know, getting the bus to go for their treatment. So everybody has their own story to tell and there's help that people need more than maybe others do. Um, so as I say, Laurel House as, you know, a base for going for your treatment was outstanding for me personally. And as I say, the Macmillan team was second to none. So basically, um, then they informed me uh, I was going to have to go for a, a PET scan. So basically a PET scan, uh, well, at, at the time when I got it done, it was only able to be done in the, uh, I think it was the city hospital. Um, so basically what happens is you have to go into a room and you have to take this special, uh, I think it was a drink and an injection. They give you this injection. But you have to lie for like half an hour for let it get in around your body. And then you go into the scan room and they put you into the scanner. But the problem for some people they might find is you can be in it for either half an hour or an hour. Because it's very slow. It really measures your body, you know, takes the scan of everything really intricately to see if there's anything. So for some people who might be a bit claustrophobic, it can be a bit of an experience. Now, it's one of them ones when you're lying in it. You know, there's fish, there's like fish painted on the ceiling, and there's music playing because I, I don't, I'll never forget it because the Eagles was playing when I went into it, and I sort of thought, oh, this is very relaxing. But the, the only other thing is, you know, you you're there now. They did strap me. They put my arms across my chest, crossed my across my arms, and then they put a strap across me. I suppose if you're lying there for half an hour and there's music playing, there's a possibility you could maybe doze off or or you know. So they don't want you coughing, sneezing. Um or moving, so that was uh that was basically uh the big pet scan was done, and within sort of a week they brought me up 
to um, get it looked at, and and it was uh, it probably would have been more when I went from a radio therapy. I think it was they they it showed me more definition of it, and it was Doctor McCarthy showed me actually the tumor on my neck, and it was like all my you know a cut like a slice took from the top of my head, looking straight down to to my feet. And this big blue lump on the side of my neck, probably the size of a tennis ball. And that was, oh, oh I, I really could see then what it was. Uh, so that was also part of the process of the diagnosing what my lymphoma was. There are so many different uh, types of lymphoma out there that can be non-Hodgkin's or, or, or Hodgkin's lymphoma. Now, uh, mine was Hodgkin's lymphoma. So they were able to give me a positive diagnosis. So I, I knew where I stood there. So then uh, Laurel House actually sent me for a, a bone marrow test. Um, it was quite an experience. Uh, basically get you up on a bed and they put a large needle down through the top of your hip and, and the needle has to go down and through between the joint of your pelvis and the top of your joint in your leg. So uh, it was a young, I, I'll never forget it, it was a young um, junior specialist uh, cancer nurse who was just, she was just new, but she was a lovely, lovely girl. And she said to me, um, once she'd done it, she says, um, do you play rugby or do you, she says, I says, I'm a cycle, a cycle. Oh, she says, that's why she says your bones are that hard because you're, you know, with the exercise, she says that, we couldn't get the, she showed me the needle and the needle was bent where I had tried to get it down in between the joint. Uh, now I didn't feel anything at the time. Well, later on, the uh, pain that I had from that was excruciating. I mean, it was a cocodamol job uh, to try and take the pain away. It felt to me as if I had cramped my leg, but no matter what I'd done, it just would not go away. It just was just total agony for about three and a half hours and I ended up taking the Kokodomot and that did ease it a bit but now it was only for that one sort of day maybe but the next day uh, be warned take the tablets before it happens because I didn't and uh, you might uh, savour this uh, wee bit of advice because uh, I, I regretted it after it and I thought to myself if I ever hear anybody's going for that I'm going to tell them take the tablets before <laughs> the pain hits because uh, I was a wee bit naive I thought oh this is going to be alright and, and it was that bad that I, I couldn't physically put the weight on that leg. I, I just, I couldn't walk. I had to just lie there for hours until the pain started to go away. Um, I continued um, to get uh, four cycles of chemotherapy. The second uh, dose of chemo absolutely uh, knocked me for seven. Just, oh, I just felt so ill, so for about a day and a wee bit after I got it. Not the day I got it, the day after it. And I just lay the whole day, couldn't move, just felt so well. Uh, she contacted Laurel House to explain to them what the way I was and oh, they were all right, okay. Um, we'll maybe have to up this anti-sickness or, you know, so that, that next day I got up and I felt far better, um, felt really good. And as the days rolled on, I started to feel better again. Uh, until then, I came to my next cycle. And I wasn't looking forward to my next cycle. And I thought, I thought, oh, here we go again. And I got it. But they had changed my medication, uh, which B 
basically it helped because they had upped my anti-sickness. They had changed the steroid maybe. You know, your chemo involves a lot more than just your chemotherapy. You go in and you may get, uh, you know, it's, it can be quite scary for people because you go into Laurel House and they will hang up a bag of two litres of stuff that's a bright colour and say, and they're talking to you and you're looking at it thinking, are you putting that into me? Is that, you know, and it will be concerning for people, but chemo can be very, very hard to some people. Um, and it was, I, f I was quite ill with it, the first couple of doses, first couple of cycles, sorry to call it. But as I got towards the end of my chemo, they had kept sort of changed my medication because I was explaining to them how I felt. They were able to readjust. So I was getting, and it'll be the same for anybody, once you get your chemo, you will come back into the waiting area in uh, Laurel House and there's like a wee small waiting area where you get tea and coffee. And if you're there over your lunch break, they supply your lunch and all. And if your partner's with you, they'll get lunch too. Um, you know, so it's it's really well run. Um, so, and they basically will then get all your medication for you. So you'll come out with a carrier bag of medication as well as having your chemo. The chemo is basically, you know, it's it's resetting your immune system. That's what it's doing. So and that's what was explained to me by Dr. McCluskey at the start. It resets your immune system. Um, basically, and I am not a, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a consultant, but I did ask the question. And I remember him telling me clearly, it resets your immune system. He says, and then it's basically your own immune system that fights the cancer. Which I, I didn't realise that. I didn't know that's how chemo and radiotherapy worked. I, I thought, you know, the chemo, the, you know, it fought, the, it went in and invaded the, the cancer and fought it and done, but it's not. It resets your immune system and your own immune system then does all the work. But the problem, I think, then stems from it is your own immune system is, is, it is at zero. So you're then very, very um, submissible to any other infections that are out there. So that's just why... Uh, you know, during as we have all experienced the COVID, we have had to be very careful. Anybody who was CEV clinically extremely vulnerable had to then shield, had to stay. You know, be very careful. Now, once I finished my treatment in um, Laurel House, they then referred me. I had to take a month's break, and they had to refer me to um, the city hospital uh, where. I was then going for uh, radiotherapy. Uh, so that was under Dr. McCarthy um, in the city hospital. Uh, absolutely lovely consultant. Just couldn't have been any nicer. Um, uh, and as I say, it's just on the same level as Laura House. Now, I was referred there and went for two full weeks of radiotherapy. So that was okay. Went, had my first consultation. They set up a, they set up a plan for you. They decide they bring you in. Uh, set up a plan and then they bring you in again and they they brought me in and I had to get sized for a mask. So basically what they do is they bring you in, they lay you on a, a patient's bed and a couple of them come in and they set this mask over your um, face and it basically feels like a warm tea towel. Uh, now for people who would be claustrophobic, yes, it's it could be quite, but there's a hole in it for your mouth and there's a hole in it for your two nostrils. But it just feels like a warm cloth going over your face and basically what they do is they put it down around your head and mould it all into a shape that it's down on the bed and then it's all flattened out and then basically what happens is it's hardened. It hardens in seconds around you. 
So they make that mask and what happens is that mask basically allows you to uh, be held in position when they're giving you your radio uh, therapy because your radio therapy is pinpointing a point where they want to treat. So that mask was made for me and then when I come up on the first cycle, the first week of my chemo, you come up, you were there probably for a couple of hours. You came in through the reception, they handed you this button and you basically uh, went and sat down and this next thing it lit up red to tell you you were going for your appointment. So, and then you went down and they brought you down and got you on the bed and then they went and got your mask. Now they worked with me too. Uh, they they were able to give me um, my radiotherapy at a time that suited me. So I, I was able to work through my whole treatment. So for me, that journey would have been a lot harder if I'd have been laying in the house. So I, I didn't want that. I wanted to try to sort of stay normal for a mental reason, firstly, and financially. Second uh, week of my radiotherapy, I was continuing to get my treatment, but my mouth and my throat started to break out sort of uh, a bit. And I sort of thought, oh, maybe this is this is just normal. They had, they had given me mouthwashes and they had given me various bits and pieces to take for uh, just you know, to soothe the throat and stuff. My mouth broke out really, really bad. Bad cold sores, everything. And I was actually having trouble trying to breathe. So I ended up having to ring the emergency number. There was an emergency number for Laurel House, so there was. So they brought me up straight away. Another lovely consultant, she brought me in. She says, "Look, oh my, she says, well, what has happened? And I said, look, I don't know. And she looked through and had a look in my mouth and all and couldn't understand. And that was okay. She ended up actually going and getting Dr. McCluskey. And he came in and looked at me and whatever and said, and he asked me, he says, you know, you're still taking all your medication. And I looked at him and I went, what medication? I said, nobody, nobody has given me any medication. And they were, no, but you, did you... Are you not continuing to take? So when they looked at their notes saying I hadn't been given the medication from Laurel House and Laurel House automatically thought that the city hospital would give me the medication but the city hospital actually thought that because I was still under the jurisdiction of Laurel House uh, that um, Laurel House would give me it. So if you know, you're going for treatment don't always be sure that everything's always ask the question. Always ask look, do, do I need to t- continue to take them tablets? Uh, I didn't ask the question. And I, can't, I can't blame Sean, I can't blame anybody. Uh, you know, my medication came to an end. And I sort of thought, right, well, that's all finished. And I thought, because now I was going to the city hospital, I thought, well, if I'm going to have to get anything, surely they should be giving me something to treat anything that's wrong or anything that's going wrong. Uh, they got me back online within three or four days. Thought was still quite uh, hard to swallow and stuff. And... Uh, got me back on an antibiotic so like, as I say them antibiotics steroids um, and all the different things that um, medications you were taking I, I probably was on them for the, probably the majority of six months so I went from sort of 14 and a half stone to uh, 23 stone uh, you know I uh, went from a 36 waist to a probably a 42 waist uh, Maybe even going up to forty, thinking about going to forty-four waist. So, at the time, that's probably the least thing you're worrying about. 
So then basically uh, after I uh, had sort of got back online and my mouth had sort of come back to normal, um, the city hospital then, they sent me for a uh, another PET scan, which is that deep scan we talked about before. Um, and it basically, when I came back, she was able to show me, the, you know, the picture again. And this time, there was just, it was all yellow. There was no blue lump. The blue lump was, was gone from the, the scan. Now, also just to make people aware, the, the lump on my neck was probably the size of a tennis ball. Within two and a half weeks of my treatment starting in Laurel House, that tennis ball had sort of went down to the size of a golf ball. And by the time I had started to go for my uh, radiotherapy, the tumour on my neck was gone completely. My neck was flat. I couldn't believe it. Like I thought I was probably going to have to um, have that surgically removed. But the uh, the chemo and the radio then had got, we reset the immune system, which the immune system then was able to deal with it. So I didn't have, have to have any. I did have to have my, my, my tonsil removed, as I talked about. So the results then, about, I think it was about two months after that, Laura House brought me back up and they basically said, look, it's looking good here, everyone's looking well. So I, I remember asking the question, so is that me? Am I am I cured? And they went, well, we don't we don't really talk about it being cured and, uh, you know, you're into remission, which I, I didn't, I was a bit naive to it. I said, all right, okay. So I said, right, so basically, yes, at the moment, you're cancer free and we hope it stays, you know, that way. So, so that was for me, that was me into remission, and I was happy to hear them words. So once I uh, had my treatment finished and everything was over me then, uh, I had went to um, a situation that I knew that I needed to do something about my weight so I started walking. Walking was probably the first thing, initial thing that I'd done. And it was only initially to start maybe, I was only walking maybe the end of the road, which was probably half a mile, and uh, coming back home again. So for me, it was it, it was basically a journey that I was sort of, I had started to become not so much depressed, but I knew that this all this weight gain again. I was sort of, I was trying to sort of say to myself, right, I need to try and fix this. So... The next thing we got a, a, a letter through the door to go to a well-being event in the Ross Park Hotel. Uh, the Trust uh, had offered us to go to it and all the services were there as in Macmillan, Cancer Focus um, and you know physiotherapy and stuff was there. Sort of to try and give people an idea of what was available to them but also to give people an idea of what their journey might um actually be about um as i say the well-being event was very very informative uh biggest part of the well-being event for me was uh my wife showing up she met uh, a guy called alan mccausland alan mccausland basically is a, a move more coordinator a move more is a program set up by mcmillan and what it is to do is concentrates on people uh who are living with or trying to cope with cancer or after cancer so you know people could be all at all different levels in uh, their treatment and I understand when I'm talking to people on this today some people will be at the stage where I was at the start 
don't know, haven't even had their diagnosis yet. They don't know where they've been. They don't know what's what they're at, and uh, or some people may have been through all their treatment and are feeling very fatigued, and you know, haven't that motivation or interest and have put weight on. So for me, the Move More program is where you want to be. Um, I can only talk from my own personal experience. I was quite a young fella at the time, a young man who I had never been to the gym in my life. Uh, I do love cycling. I cycled for over 13, 14 years. Basically, uh, my wife met Al and Al says, oh, we have a wee program running in uh, Antrim Leisure Centre. And it's basically you come along and it's it's not like a fitness class. It's just basically come along uh, for an hour on a Friday morning and you come in and, you know, with we like weights and we do you know we do we circuit bits and blah 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 and so so and so my darling wife she decided to uh, sign me up for this so uh, i remember the conversation when uh, she spoke to me uh, oh i want you to meet a fella here and i swear who would that be she says it's, it's alan here so over oh, my name's alan alan McCloss and blah i believe you're coming to my wee class on friday morning and i was uh right am i and uh, so you can imagine my choice words to my wife once the uh conversation between me and Alan had finished. I sort of thought, why'd you do that? I said, I have no interest in going to that. She says, that please go. Now my wife I think had realised at that point that I had put quite a bit of weight on, I was feeling a bit down, I was uh, you know and to be honest with you, the effects of my treatment were starting to affect me. I thought I was this guy who was gonna go through all of this with no side effects whatsoever. I was quite mistaken. I realised that I put a load of weight on. I wasn't feeling very good. I was feeling very flushed most times of the day. Uh, felt was feeling quite sickish and didn't just didn't want to do anything. I'm feeling quite sorry for myself. So my wife was only trying to help me out on the situation of moving forward with with trying to eat a small bit of exercise, but probably more on a mental. Uh, route because I only explained that to her mentally you're getting there getting a wee cup of coffee you know but don't do that much so I decided then the next Friday morning I would go to this wee move more class in uh, Antrim Leisure Centre and I remember going to the Leisure Centre saying oh yes up the stairs so it's a talk right okay up I went into the move more class um, knocked the door and looked down and there's probably 20 odd women starting and one fella and I thought oh no this this isn't for me no way but um, oh folks want to meet a new member here big rab come on in and right enough straight away uh probably six eight ten of the girls all come over hi rab hi rab hi rab you know um you know I told me all the names and within 30 seconds I forgot all the names because um, as people will experience, there's a thing called chemo brain where you, you just automatically forget everything in sight uh, of you within about two seconds. So, and it does get better. I must maybe not completely better, but I did suffer from chemo brain, and I'm talking about people who I've been friends with all my life, uh, where that name was, you know, I should know it straight off, and people said, "All right, Rob, how's it going?" And I was, and the name was gone completely gone just so don't be worried about that it seems to be part of this chemo brain thing to talk about and we we would all laugh about it in the mcmillan class because um you know in the move more class because we were we've all been there so that was okay we come in and i i never forget starting 
big red face because I was cut to the bone, you know, because I'm not used to these sort of things, especially not all these women running around, you know, speaking to me. And I was uh, quite sort of taken back. And uh, one of the girls laughed and she says, uh, i never forget that girl, uh, Yvonne. She says, uh, I have very red around the face, she says. Um, are you going through the male menopause laughing? And uh, she says, uh, I says to her, Oh, no, no. I says, I, I don't know. It's just a big red face. And she says, well, um, no, that's all part of the chemo. That's what? She says, that's all part of the chemo. And I says, well, what do you mean? She says, oh, I'm the same. She says, are you feeling flushed? I was, yeah, yeah, I am. She says, uh, so straight away, I realised that this experience I was having, somebody else was experiencing it. So... Uh, we started to talk more and I spoke to the other girls in it and I spoke to a few other ones and realised that this flushness and this not feeling great, all these girls were feeling it and the fella. So I continued to go to the Move More class. The Move More class for me was my day. It was basically had a lovely morning doing the wee exercises and then got a wee cup of coffee and done that for a couple of weeks and then Alan had advised me to go and see my GP to get referred for a membership for the gym, for the gym uh, or for the leisure centre, sorry, which I done, uh, availed of that. And basically, Antrim has a brilliant spa, so their spa is outstanding. So I got to be on the Friday, I went to my Move More class and then a few of us went down into the spa. And for that, for me, for my muscles and my joints, was just outstanding. So it was, so that was something that helped me on the Friday. The problem for me being was I then decided uh, on the advice of my consultant that maybe I should take a bit of time off work. So I actually did end up going on the sick day. And that was a year after, you know, my treatment, my journey had begun. So I, I was on the sick for a year. Uh, I did um, I did give myself uh, that year to try and build myself up and get myself back to a level. So um, in the McMillan class, the move more, there was a girl uh, there called Karen, and Karen was um, helping basically Alan out. We're having a conversation one morning, and she had said to me, oh, yeah, you do a lot of cycling. I said, well, no, I haven't really been. I said, I've been doing a wee bit. And she says, well, what about, and she says, I'll do a day. She says, well, do the, the lap the lock, which for a lot of people, they might know what that is. Well, that's, it's, Basically, it's a charity run that's done every year around Loch Ness, and it's about 100 miles. And I says, well, I don't know if we could do that. I says, oh, not at the minute anyway. I'm just, she says, well, sure, we'll build ourselves up. So, cut a long story short, me and Karen both trained uh, that year. Well, I trained that year. She didn't train that much, and, uh, but she still done it with me uh, in August that year. Now, uh, as I say, that got me back into a level of fitness that I was happy to be in. I was able to go back on the bike again and get the miles in and do whatever. Uh, McMillan then approached me and asked me, would I be interested in doing a leg of the Belfast Martin? Uh, I had never run from here to uh, the end of the lane uh, before that was asked of me. So, because I wasn't a running person, so I decided to uh, that I would, I would, I would start and try and take up running. I trained for it, and I done the one before the last. But when I got to the finish line on the bit I was doing, I realised I still feel good here. So I actually continued to run on, and ended up doing eleven mile. 
So I moved on from that, and what happened was then I decided the next year I wanted to do the half marathon. So I done the Belfast half marathon uh, in 2019. I done it for McMillan. Uh, I was very, very happy to do it for McMillan. Um, I raised over £2,500. So my level of fitness had went from uh, not being able to walk the end of the lane to being able to run a, a half marathon. Uh, and as I say, I done the lap of the lock. Now I then succeeded in doing the lap of the lock a second time in twenty nineteen as well. So I done both the endeavours in the one year. So I was very very well pleased with where where I am, and I'm very well pleased where I am now. Um, I helped put a wee bit of weight back on, but I'm still very active. Um, we've just got a wee new dog there, so I still try and uh, but a exercise of some sort whether it's walking whether it's running uh basically uh over you know that period after that i i still have been you know i was attending laurel house every three uh, every three months it would have been um and then you know then i moved it to four months and then and as the years go on then it's maybe uh every six months and then finally there they'll probably talk about march time uh, I probably will be being discharged. But uh, my journey with my, my lymphoma is really down to the support I had from, number one, my family. My daughter, who at the time was only, um, I think she was about eight, yeah, eight years of age. I do remember when people were coming up to my house, she asked me a question about uh was there something wrong with me now i'd be a very very big believer in trying to drum into my two daughters not to tell lies i wasn't going to start telling my daughter lies so she said to me all these people were coming to see me and she said to me and we were sitting in a room with my mother and a whole lot of my family was there and people one of my cousins was up and she says to me daddy you know is everything okay is, is there something wrong with you and I says, no, 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 darling, no, no, everything's okay. Are you sure, she says? Because, you, you know, I, I think there's something not right. And I, so I just, I, I couldn't do it. I, says, I looked at her, I says, well, Jessica, I says, I've been, um, I've been diagnosed with lymphoma. And she says, well, Daddy, what is lymphoma? I says, it's actually, it's a form of cancer. And uh, she looked me in the eyes and she says to me, Daddy, are you going to die? And for me, Emotionally, even now, that was the hardest part of my journey. Looking at my daughters in the eye and saying, no, I'm not. I'm going to fight this, darling, and I'm going to try and beat this. And I says, because, I says, I love you. And I says, and I want, I says, to see you growing up, so I'm going to fight this. And she cried her eyes out, and I cried my eyes out, and I'm nearly crying my eyes out now. But that is the truth. And my whole family was sitting all in tears, just looking and trying to hold the tears back because they didn't want my daughter to see what was going on. But thankfully, I can sit here now and tell everybody my story. And hopefully my story is a benefit to people. Hopefully my story will help people and give them a wee heads up of, oh, oh I remember him saying that. or oh, yeah, oh. So, but folks, look, I am a great believer that always try and speak to people about what's going on and the move more program and mcmillan for me is uh, a big big support so please make use of it and so from 20 
15th and I, that's been my journey. Thank you everyone for listening to me. And as I say, if there's any questions that anybody wanted to ask through Amy, feel free to send them and I will try and answer them. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Robert, for sharing that. We really, really appreciate you doing that. And uh, and thank you to the folks listening at home. You know, we'd be very interested to hear your feedback. And as Robert said, you know, any questions at all, we've embedded a, a short survey in the text around the podcast platform. So if you could give us any feedback or suggest any future podcast topics, we'd really, really appreciate that. And we hope you find this podcast helpful. 